making sure that geography and timelines work is always the hardest part of writing, but you owe it to the readers to get it right. Michael Scott. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Esses. Today we are talking about time, and we are talking about how you wield time in your book. There is a delicate balance when you are writing between including the details of your character's life and including the irrelevant details of your character's life. You want enough so that the character feels real, but we don't need to know that they use the bathroom four times unless it's relevant to the plot. That's really what it gets down to is, is it relevant to the plot? Yeah, my characters are wandering through the forest. Whether or not they're drinking water at certain times of day doesn't mean a whole lot. If they're wandering through the desert, when they drink and how much they drink suddenly becomes very important. So let's get into how to do that, starting with the backstory. Please, please don't start with the backstory. Exactly. (laughs) Where you start the story should always be at the beginning of the story. There's actually a term for that. It's called en media res, which means starting in the middle of the action. And that's always the best place to get your reader engaged and keep them engaged. With your backstory, you need to know it as the author, but you don't include it because all that does is add time and slow the story. And one of the biggest issues I see with new and aspiring authors is they don't know when the story actually begins. And sorry, you probably don't know until you finished writing the book. In September 2019, we did an episode about editing your first chapter specifically. This is why. So that you can write your story and then go back to the first chapter and figure out where you actually want to start. And a big indicator of if you need to look at this is if there's a fair amount of time between the first and second chapter. A lot of you might now be thinking, but... If I don't have the backstory at the beginning, how do I include it so that the readers know? And you might be thinking, oh, I'll just use a flashback. Don't you dare. Jumping around in time is a very dangerous tool to wield. It's very easy to completely screw up the story and lose readers with this. If you are just using a flashback to feed backstory in, Don't do it. It should move the plot forward. And that is the essence of this episode is, does this moment in your book move the plot forward? Not, does it introduce something? Does it move it forward? So now that we've covered the details of the backstory and how to include the pre-story in your story, which is basically don't, How do you make the passage of time in a book feel realistic? One of the interesting case studies for me in this particular case is Lord of the Rings. There's a fair amount of time of Sam and Frodo wandering about the rocks. When they were filming the movies, they just sort of moved set pieces around and then had the actors walk through it. Then they moved other set pieces around, had the actors walk the other direction through it. So it became very redundant, very boring for the actors, which actually kind of led to the fact that the characters are also really bored by their surroundings. 
And therein lies your tool as a storyteller to make it feel like they've spent a long time there without wasting the reader's time. And that is the characters are reacting to what you want your reader to be feeling. So if you come to a moment in your story where you need some time to pass, but you don't want to just jump times, that's a really good opportunity to get a deep look inside a character. Have them reflect on something, have them worried about something, have them work something out through the narration that gives us a sense of the passing of time without it feeling like we're just watching them walking and walking and walking. One of my favorite tools to answer this is to hop to somebody else's point of view at a very distant location. So you don't want somebody in the same scene because then it feels like it's all part of the same location. Time and space are deeply related in a lot of ways. But if you hop to the bad guy in his mountain plotting, and then we come back to the main characters and they're going, I can't believe we've been here for three weeks. This is really getting old. Okay, we get that passage of time. As readers, we've experienced something else in that passage of time. And we can sympathize with the characters that are going, this is boring, without it being actually boring to your readers. While you want the passage of time to feel realistic, you don't need all of the realistic details in there. Yes, we know that your characters have needs of survival. We know that they're going to eat and drink and use the bathroom. We don't need to know every time they do that. Yeah, if there's something else happening while they're wasting time sleeping, the bad guys are encroaching on them. Okay, fine. We know they've gone to sleep and they think they're safe. But we can assume that they've gone to sleep if it's the next day and nothing interesting happened while they were asleep because we've moved past that. Another thing about time that we need to address is how to keep it moving. Because we don't want to be stuck in the first act of your story for too long. We don't want to be stuck in the second act. We need to move on and get to the resolution. And there's a really easy way to do that. Keep everything moving forward and keep your readers on a timeline by setting up a ticking clock. Your readers may be asking, what's the hurry? And that means that there needs to be a ticking clock added to your story in some regard. You can do this by using a ransom note with a deadline or a certain event that's going to happen that they know that's where it's going to be targeted. They did this really well in Avatar The Last Airbender, where the whole series had to be done before the comet. And then they had a little short thing in there that they needed to do a certain attack by the solstice. So there's these big events that have a deadline to them that they're working toward. And I'll be honest... There are some things, whether you have a ticking clock or however it is you're moving forward with the time, that you just need to skip. If you are bored, your readers are bored. You don't need to be a Tolkien writing them walking for months. But he did a lot of showing and not much telling in that. Yeah. This is one of those moments when telling is okay, I think. Yeah. It's like, okay, they walked for a month. Oh, look, we're exhausted. We're almost out of food, was their ticking clock. We need to keep going. But how do you know how far they've traveled if you don't show them how far they've traveled? They traveled on horseback for four days, and they hurried to get to the capital. 
That's, I mean, all you really need to know. You don't need to know exactly how many inches were covered in the <laughs> process. What? <laughs> so just quick little one line mentioning how long it's been. You can include it in the dialogue. Little small mentions will help move a time forward without you having to cover that time. Yeah. If your character is thinking a whole lot, have it at the beginning of the chapter tends to be a good place for that. Wasn't it Lee Child that said something to the order of hurry the slow things and slow the hurried things? Yeah, something like that. So same principle applies. If it's slow moving, breeze over it. If you need to spend a lot of time on it, even though it's a couple of seconds, spend a lot of time on it. That's fine. As far as travel times, there is a super useful tool that we've mentioned in several episodes, but this is my go-to for especially medieval fantasy, how long it takes to go by warship to this place. These charts can be found in the Dungeons and Dragons collection. You don't have to detail it all out, but it's good for you to have an idea of how long it's taking for all of this to occur. It's very easy if you're spending all of this time to accidentally throw in a red herring. By that, I mean, oh, well, we've stopped at this scene where they're by the creek. Is something interesting going to happen in this scene because we're actually paying attention to this particular moment? If it's a boring the reader because the characters are bored, ugh. but you're also setting yourself up for failure by not doing something with the moment. A very popular book series that I've read recently did this a lot. It showed a lot of the travel and her going into her apartment and describing the apartment and her motions there. And I kept thinking like, oh, there's somebody going to be there that broke into her apartment or something's going to happen. And it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. And this happens constantly through all the books. And I'm like, why do you keep doing it? Because she's not coming to any revelations about the mystery that she's trying to solve. And nothing's actually happening in her apartment. So why do we keep seeing her going through the same boring motions? When it comes to time in your story, figure out how important it is. Is it important that they finish in a certain amount of time? If it is, that needs to be a constant part of your story. You need to constantly remind the reader and the characters of this ticking clock. I will honestly say I feel it when I'm reading a book without a ticking clock. As the author, you need to figure out what will work best for your story. Decide how much time you're going to have pass in the story. Decide how you're going to have that time pass. These need to be deliberate decisions so that you don't drag the story or so you don't rush through it like a bulldozer. There needs to be a balance there between breezing over unimportant details and focusing on the important ones. So as you're writing, as you're reading, as you're watching TV, start to recognize how they use time because it's a fascinating tool in your toolbox as a storyteller. And then take what you learn and apply it to your own writing and to your own stories so that you can write to the best of your ability so you can accomplish the story that you want to write. So you can write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. <laughs>